I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Welcome to Ridiculous Romance. Yeah, we sing our our welcomes. Yeah. Give them, give them one of your classic sing. Diana sing intros. Hey, y'all, how you doing out there? Hope you're feeling so, so good. Wow, that's a little, like, 90s kind of a jingle vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt good. I was like, so, so good. I was like, that's a grocery store or something. Oh, sure, yeah. You know? Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> you said grocery store. I thought, like, En Vogue or something. Oh. I was hearing some, like, cool <laughs> R&B. I, I mean. I appreciate that. The tune. Oh, wow. Okay. Look. So I don't sound like En Vogue. Okay. It's En Vogue we're talking <laughs> about here. You, sir? It's not an insult to say, you know, know. you're not at the top of the mountain. If I if you sang uh, a Beyonce song, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, you were fantastic." I mean, you not you know Beyonce. You can't. You can't get out of my you house, can't. sir. <laughs> you know, if I gave an incredible performance mm-hmm. in a movie, mm-hmm. and you said, "Oh, you were phenomenal," but uh, you're no Jesse Plemons. Mm. You know, I wouldn't say, "How dare you?" Jesse Plemons is a very good actor. He's very good. I guess I see it. Yeah. I'm it's, still offended, but Jesse Plemons is the Beyonce of movie <laughs> actors. <laughs> I guess. I, I feel like we're gonna get some notes about that. <laughs> Can I just say, speaking of actors, we got to go see Glass Onion. <gasps> just telling y'all it's so good. Yeah. And everyone in it is amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Janelle Monet. So good. I love her. Edward Norton. Edward oh. Norton is the Jesse Plemons of Beyonce's. Huh. <laughs> that one's a little tangled up for me. Maybe someone <laughs> can tell me what you mean. <laughs> I'm not sure. 
uh, which brings me to my next point. I'm kind of sick again. I'm so mad about I it. I've got another are. cold. Yeah. Meanwhile, oh. I feel amazing. Of course so. she does. <laughs> We've been, I, I, I've been cooking dinners for you and you still don't get my <laughs> sicknesses. You hear that, servers? Go to work sick. <laughs> it does nothing. <laughs> you hear that, everybody? Make your sick spouses cook dinner for you still. <laughs> I didn't make you cook. How dare you? <laughs> anyway, a little loopy right now. Yeah. And definitely uh, voice is a little off. Y'all can tell you listen to this show so much. <laughs> you don't know. And if you're a new listener, uh, it doesn't always sound like this. Oh. I don't know if that's better or worse. You sort of went down. You kind of gave it like a sexy. New listeners, it's not always this good. <laughs> Just so you know, you tuned in for listen, the right y'all. one. This is Candlelight <laughs> Dinner with Eli Banks. Well, I cooked it myself, even though I'm extremely <laughs> ill. <laughs> you probably won't catch it. <laughs> I'll catch your heart, but you'll catch my cold. Wow. <laughs> what a what a slogan. That's your restaurant slogan. Oh, wait, do I the restaurant's theme is that the yeah. chef is always sick? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, people like a theme. What do you want to say? <laughs> well, we got an episode to get to. We sure uh, do. So I got my hot tea here. So we got some hot stories to tell today. Yeah, we so. do. I don't know why I said hot stories. Today's episodes are about babies. Oh, yeah. I told you, it's the it's the sickness, everybody. You're just going to get some <laughs> weird stuff today, all right? <laughs> Look, this is ridiculous romance. We tell stories about romance on this show. And romance <laughs> and babies go together like peanut butter and chocolate, you know? Mm. Because, like, you can have peanut butter without chocolate, of course. Very. Romance being peanut butter, babies being chocolate in this particular situation. Sure. You can also have chocolate without peanut butter if you want, and I hear it's a life-changing experience. (laughs) Chocolate isn't for everyone, and some people hate peanut butter, and that's okay. I mean, personally, I love peanut butter. Mm -hmm. I put it on anything. Delicious. Honestly, peanut butter and romance go together for me, like chocolate and chocolate. Anyway, look, it's a little lost in the metaphor here, but the point is, look, we're talking about babies today. Babies. And we're going to start with a woman who used pregnancy to scam money out of her government job. Then we're going to move on and talk about a woman who really defied the odds by Mm -hmm. having babies of her own. And finally, we'll talk about an ancient baby that was found inside a (laughs) mummy. Very exciting stuff. So I say we jump right into it and get to these baby stories. Let's go. Hey there, friends. Come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show ridiculous romance. A production of iHeartRadio. Okay, so before we get to the babies today, uh, we got to do a little bit of housekeeping. That's right. Uh, because, uh, you know, we said some things and uh, then things. we got a message. So it's time for us to go into Corrections Corner. You're such a loser. This correction comes to us from Josh Green. Hi, Josh. Thank hey, Josh. you for emailing us. This is very vital information. Vital information. I'm very all right. Um, this is from our Colette Part 3 episode, uh-huh. uh, if you recall our Colette series, uh, where we were talking about um, uh, the language of flowers and right. how gay people in the 20s were using like 
violets and carnations to sort of advertise. Yeah, uh, little Subtly signals. advertise to one another who mm-hmm. they were and what they were into and stuff. And we mentioned that there was something like a handkerchief code. Right. That we thought was ha- happened kind of around the 2000s. Yeah, early 2000s. And it was like what color handkerchief you wore in your back pocket right. and stuff like that. That's when I learned about it anyway. That's right. Well, Josh had the goods. Uh, he writes, quote, I haven't heard a correction to this episode for it yet, but the handkerchief coding you mentioned in the episode, also known as the hanky code, was more of a common occurrence in the 1970s as a way of advertising yourself quietly across the country, but more commonly in larger cities. The position and color of the handkerchief was important to disclose what you were looking for. Worn in the back left pocket means you are a top. Back right means you're a bottom. And then the colors, such as white, means you're into cum. Ah. Orange means you're into anything, anywhere. Oh. <laughs> Everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> handkerchief. And blue means you want to fuck. And light blue means oral. Okay. The color codes get rather specific, but right. core colors tended to be the most common. Okay. So when I said that a black and white polka dot handkerchief uh-huh. in your pocket indicated that you wanted to be tied up in a dungeon... <laughs> Uh, It might not have gotten that complicated. Maybe not that complicated. Josh goes on, the practice fell out of favor in the mid to late 80s, but did make a comeback in the early 2000s, like you said, as more of a club bar scene flagging. Gotcha. Now, this practice is still going on, but many types of people wear hankies in their back pockets, and it can be weird to hit on a guy who has a hanky, but turns out to be very straight. (laughs) Whoops. Josh, thank you for that, because that was very comprehensive. Yeah. I, I did not know. All right, well, enough about sex. It's time to get into the consequences of sex. (laughs) Today, we're telling these baby stories, and our first one today is about Robin Folsom right here in the great state of Georgia. Ow, G.A. Represent. Uh, Robin Folsom was working for the Georgia Vocational Rehabilitation Agency, or the GVRA, as the Director of External Affairs. GVRA is a government agency which, in their own words, quote, helps people with disabilities find and maintain employment. Very important government agency. Yes. Absolutely. Now, their services range from people who just need help obtaining hearing aids to people who need more assistance just moving physically through our very uh, ableist world, you could say. Yeah. True. WSB, local news station here, reported that Robin was a, quote, top communications officer with a salary of about $100,000 per year. Hmm. In October of 2020, at 42 years old, Robin delighted her co-workers when she announced her pregnancy. Hooray! This would be her second child, as she had just given birth a few months earlier in July of 2020. Oh, those pandemic babies. I know, so right? Tough. And like, what else are we doing? <laughs> uh, she let the HR department know she gave her due date as May 1st, 2021. And over the months, of course, she started to show and co-workers would congratulate her, talk about how excited for her they were. Then, as expected, on May 1st, 2021, Robin Folsom gave birth at Piedmont Hospital. (laughs) Everything seemed to be going okay. But a few days later, on May 6th, Robin's bosses got an email from Robin's baby's father. Mm. His name was Bren Otmanbebwe. And he reported that Robin's doctor had mandated several weeks of rest following her delivery. Sure. And the GBRA execs, you know, probably were like, well, it is kind of our job to make sure people keep their jobs when they are <laughs> met with hardship. Right, so. right. Sort of our thing. <laughs> Guess we got to respond well to this. Uh-huh. 
Um, So they gave her an extended leave, which included 265 hours or nearly seven weeks of paid time off. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Previously, the state of Georgia allowed government employees to take up to 12 weeks of unpaid parental leave. Now, that was established in the Family and Medical Leave Act of 1993. That was actually a federal thing. Mm. This was put into place during Bill Clinton's first term, and it protected people from getting fired if they had a new child or if they had to take care of a sick family member Mm. or if they themselves had a major injury or illness. It was like, you know, I I have to stay home. You don't have to pay me, but I can't come to work. Please don't fire me. Okay, we'll give you three months. Right, right. So you have a job when you come back. Yeah, exactly. It must have been really important. I mean, I can't imagine before that just getting fired because you had to stay home because you broke your leg or something, you know? Many women could probably tell you how many times they lost jobs for getting pregnant. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But yeah, that's very true. But you can imagine a lot of people didn't take advantage of this because 12 weeks away from your job, unpaid, right. ain't exactly something you can afford to do. Yeah, most you of know, us don't have 12 country. weeks of expenses saved no, up. Oh, hell no. Just hanging out <laughs> in the old bank account. Right, yeah. <laughs> but then Georgia legislators put forth House Bill 146, which would grant state government employees who either birth, adopt, or foster a child paid leave. Ooh. For a period of up to <gasps> three weeks. Oh, three weeks. Three weeks. And oh, well, no, it makes sense because at three weeks, an infant is fully able to take care of itself. Should be down at the factory already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thread needles with those little hands. Now, interestingly, the bill says that you don't have to use all 120 hours at once. Oh, okay. Uh, you can use them as needed. Quote. Provided that such leave usage does not unduly disrupt the operations of the applicable employing entity. Wow. Which it's like, that's such a dumb thing to say, because if my absence was not unduly disrupted, I probably wouldn't have a job. Like, they they wouldn't need me. So there would be no need for me to work there. As long as your company doesn't realize you're gone, you can take (laughs) up to three weeks off. (laughs) I just don't see. I don't know. That's so crazy. You know. So anyway, retail workers don't adopt a child near Christmas time. Okay? <laughs> right, yeah. They don't want you calling out. <laughs> Absolutely. Who wouldn't look at that bill? You know, what what boss, you know, surely the kind hearted bosses out there. But how many have I had that would have looked at that and said, yeah, well, I can't give you this time now. It, I mean, it's busy. It's the busiest time of the year. New Year's Eve. Right. <laughs> You're coming in. Bring the baby with you if you have to. <laughs> Strap it onto your back and get in here. Now, interestingly... The governor's office signed this bill into state law on May 5th of 2021, just a day before the GVRA got that email from Bren Oltman-Bebwe. Huh. So lucky for her, this right. was just signed into law. So it seemed like she was about to get at least three weeks of PTO. That was state yeah. mandated now. Incredible timing. And she managed to get seven weeks out of them. Mm-hmm. So GVRA, very generous, right. you know, compared to what they had to give her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robin was set for the next six and a half weeks. She was able to continue to collect her salary without having to leave her babies at home and go into work. But something wasn't adding up here. We don't know exactly what was seen or how. But WSB reported that a colleague, quote, witnessed what appeared to be a portion of Folsom's stomach come away from her body. Ah, Come away? Horrifying. Part of your stomach came off? Like, did it flap up? Like, yeah, like, like a shirt might, you know, like a flap 
kind right? of thing. Oh, yeah, like she reached up for a cup, of, like for a mug mm-hmm. from the, one of the break room cabinets up and they high. Saw a little gap. And they were like, why oh, your stomach like came off? <laughs> your stomach it detached. Flop. What is happening? <laughs> She's like, oh, that baby be kicking. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'd be like, I am I in a David Cronenberg movie? What is Ew, happening? Oh, my God. I hope not. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so that was a weird thing to see, obviously. And whispers started going around the office. And so they started kind of comparing notes with each other and realized that when they compared pictures that Robin had sent her coworkers of her baby, they all looked different. They were just like random baby pictures with totally different skin tones. Weird. Which is very odd. Yeah. Now, somebody must have gotten this back to HR, or at least rumors eventually circulated back there because... There is definitely something baby about these fishies. They, or, excuse me. There was, I told y'all. I love baby about these fishies. There was something fishy about these babies. Excuse me. Um, we, We should just move on from that one. We do have a fish, and I think there's something baby about it. There is something baby about our fishies. Anyway. HR had to bring this issue to the state inspector general, Scott McAfee. At his office interviewed employees, they evaluated the pictures that she had sent them, and they eventually reached out directly to Piedmont Hospital. And they learned that there was no record of Robin giving birth at the hospital. There were no birth certificates on file. And not only that, but after reaching out to the Georgia Office of Vital Records, they learned that there was, quote, no indication that Robin Folsom had ever delivered a child. Even her first child was a lie. Oh, my goodness. She had no babies. All this must have taken a while, which I get. If you've ever asked for a record from anywhere, it takes a fucking forever. Uh (laughs) Um, So it probably took a while because Robin herself was not interviewed by investigators until October of 2021. Mm. And she was asked about her other children. She claimed to have three in total at this point. And if Bran Otmanbebwe was a real person. And she insisted, oh, well, they're my children. Of course they're real. The dad's real. I mean, come on. I have a whole family here that I go home to every night. But of course, nobody could find any evidence that Mr. Otmembebwe existed. Mm. And I got to say, I feel like she gave herself away here. And if I was the investigator, the first thing I would have said was, Otmembebwe, that sounds an awful lot like not my baby. Huh? So I I feel like that was just planted there. I did not She outdid herself, right? I would have just chosen a name harder to to run down. It's a very <laughs> unique name. Yeah, right. Like his name should be like John Smith. And, right. You know, they could have been looking for years. Right. <laughs> trying to find that guy. So it wasn't long before Robin Folsom was indicted on three felony counts of false statements and one felony count of identity fraud. Ooh. Now, shortly after this interview with the state inspector general, she resigned from her position at the GVRA. WSB estimated that based on her salary, she had received between ten and $15,000 in maternity pay, which she was obviously not entitled to. She was given a court date of April 4th of 2022, where she faced a maximum of 25 years in prison and up to $103,000 in fines. Now, McAfee said that in all, she faked three pregnancies. But her inventing the father with a fake email address is really why she got hit with the identity fraud. Yeah. But in court, her lawyer said that she wanted, quote, 
to accept responsibility for the crimes and move forward with her life in the most private way that she can. And she pled guilty to all four counts. She managed to only be sentenced to five years of probation, a psychiatric evaluation followed by any treatment deemed necessary, and she had to pay a little over $12,000 in restitution to the state. I think that sounds really reasonable to me, actually, because it's like, if she gives the money back, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to say no harm, because obviously there was like a lot of time where she was away from work, where like, I I don't know, other people had to pick up her work, or if there was stuff not getting done, Mm -hmm. you know, she's in a a, a public assistance program. I feel like somebody missed out on something there, probably. Good point. Um, but, you know, also 25 years in prison, $100,000 in I mean, fines yeah. seems, you know, more vindictive than, it's true. than proportionately punitive. But, true. Uh, but it sounds like this twelve grand was what she was given and she had to pay it back. And like, yeah, let's go make sure that you're not a compulsive liar who needs some treatment. Right. We should probably get you checked out. Yeah. That's a weird thing to do. Yeah. Especially, I mean, going into the office, you know, people can see your belly. Like, I could see this right. being like a, a good remote work right, right. <laughs> scam. <laughs> where you could like, you know, you're faking it, but like, who's seeing it? <laughs> no one. You got a little soundboard to... next to your Zoom with baby sound effects. Like, you're oh, like, oh, he's crying again. I got to go, everybody. Oh, I spilled some OJ. You know how it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, she had to like legit put a fake I guess, different stages of fake right. pregnancy bellies. On, I mean, this is some real commitment to the bit. Yeah, seriously. Now, I have some thoughts because interestingly, though this was supposedly her third fake pregnancy, there's no evidence that she ever collected any unemployment from the first two. Oh. So, speculation station, mm-hmm. I think that originally she was just looking for time off. I think she just wanted Who those. <laughs> that, I mean, she had 100 grand a year. She's probably like, I guess. You know what? I just I know that nine months from now I'm gonna want like a month mm-hmm. vacation. So I'll take the unpaid twelve weeks or whatever. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm having a baby, everybody. Uh, next August, right when I booked my cruise, you know, or something. <laughs> but then, you know, coincidentally, con- very conveniently, right, right after she, you know, fake delivered this baby, and Governor Kemp signed Bill mm-hmm. 146 into law. She was like, oh, shit, maybe I'll mm-hmm. press my luck a little and see if I can get some of that money, too. And that, of she course, was her undoing. Exactly. That, yep. was, that was her downfall. Yep. But I do remember, this is a very, very reminiscent of when I had my first restaurant job. Uh-huh. And I was like, I think I should be allowed to take a non-smoker's break. I deserve Agreed. five minutes outside. Agreed. Just because I don't smoke does not mean that I should not also get a little break. Well, speaking of a little break. Yes, yes. So, yes, that's the woman who faked having three babies. But after our non-smoking break, (laughs) we're going to talk about a woman who had three very real babies, even though everyone told her that she would never survive it. And we'll get to that right after this. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time-ins? 
time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, There's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Welcome back, everybody. Well, enough fake babies. Yeah. Now we're going to talk about a very real woman who had some very real babies. Her name was Stacy Harold. And I don't want to spoil anything up front here, but look, this is kind of a sweet story and it's a more recent story. So I feel like I should tell you now and not hit you with a big sad note at the end that Stacy is no longer with us. Um, But her story is very worth telling. I just, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, we often tell stories that are like from hundreds of years ago. So, you know, that person's gone. I mean, but, you know, (laughs) this is from the 2000s. So I don't want to tell this very uplifting story and then be like, womp, womp. Now be sad. Uh Uh, So just get that out of the way now. Yeah. 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 Stacy was born in Dry Ridge, Kentucky, and she was working as a cashier at a local grocery store in the year 2000 when she met Will Harold in the checkout line. The two immediately hit it off. They started dating not long after. I would watch a Hallmark movie about small a town Kentucky cashier. Yeah, meeting her soulmate at the checkout yeah, line. Of course, I could totally see the cover and everything. I we don't watch enough Hallmark movies. I'm sure it's happened. I you're think. right. Yeah. Actually, you're right. That it does. It probably <laughs> exists. I I think I just got hit with a copyright <laughs> lawsuit <laughs> while I was sitting here. So Will was nine years younger than Stacy, but that was not their biggest difference. He was also three and a half feet taller. Oh. Now, Will, not a freakishly tall man. He's an average American male height of five foot nine. But Stacy was only two foot four. Wow. Stacy is only two foot four because she was born with a condition called osteogenesis imperfecta. And this is also known as brittle bone disease. Mm. The OI Foundation at OIF.org says that the major feature of OI is an extremely fragile skeleton. And this can include symptoms such as bone deformity and pain, brittle teeth, respiratory problems, cardiac issues, and short stature. 
-hmm. Basically, your body can't grow taller to support itself. Well, the OI Foundation says that, quote, with good medical management and supportive care, the majority of people who have OI will lead healthy, productive lives and can expect an average lifespan. In 2004, Stacy and Will got married, and they started to talk about whether they would have children. But as Stacy had known for most of her life, pregnancy is very difficult and risky for people with OI. Mm. A study on the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology says that women with OI have higher rates of gestational diabetes and much higher needs for blood transfusions and cesarean deliveries than the general population. Mm. And they also face a higher likelihood of postpartum fractures and hospitalization. And babies born to people with OI have a 50-50 chance of inheriting the genetic disorder and over a four times higher mortality rate within their first month of life, whether or not the condition was passed to them. Wow. So lots of reasons not to. Yeah, a lot of complications present, Mm -hmm. right? Risk is much higher. Many risks. Doctors warned Stacy that if she were to get pregnant, the baby could grow so large inside of her that it could crush her lungs and heart. Because you imagine a a developing baby is going to reach its average size. Right. And at only two foot four, that's uh, 28 inches tall. I know. I mean, average women get all crowded down there. Right. You know, it must be... Well, I can't even imagine it, really. And that's not to mention the risks of her breaking bones, like her ribs and her pelvis and her spine. Um, so Stacy said, but you know what? I'm not going to let a couple of crushed lungs get in my way. Uh, I'm doing it. She said, quote, all my life, my parents had told me that I could do anything. So she wasn't going to hear it when these doctors told her that she couldn't have a baby. And Mary Beth Huber, who's the director of programs for the OIF, said, quote, We believe it's a personal decision. Many who have bone deformity to the pelvis can carry a child and give birth. So with the risks fully acknowledged, she and Will got pregnant in 2004. And she said friends, family, their doctors all begged them to reconsider. Mm. But she told them, quote, it's a miracle that I'm here, that I have life. Why couldn't this be a miracle, too? There you go. Totally fair. But very scary. Oh, very I feel scary. It must, every day must have just felt very like, okay, yeah. how are we yeah. doing today, you know? But she went through with the pregnancy. And, of course, it did have its complications. But she carried the child for 28 weeks before needing a cesarean section. Mm, that's early. It is early. Was it 36-ish? I think that's right. We don't have babies. We should know. We sh- like no, we, we shouldn't have to know that. We don't have babies and we're not doctors. Who cares? Not interested. It's something like that. <laughs> Nine months is 36 weeks. I know it's not exactly that, but it's something like that. <laughs> right. It's something like, it's, it's like 36 to 40. We'll I get an answering machine. Usual. Somebody tell us the very easy to answer question <laughs> that I could Google right now. We'll get like corrections corner. Google it. Jeez. <laughs> well, she got to 28 weeks. They gave her a C-section and her daughter, Kateri, was born at only two pounds and one ounce. I know that's small. That is very small. The family soon learned that her daughter had indeed inherited her mother's condition. So they knew that it would be a challenge, but all three of them were healthy and safe. That's all that matters. Hey. Then a year later, Stacy became pregnant again. She said, same old runaround this time around. Everyone said, you know, you pressed your luck the first time. Please don't go through this again. Stacy and Will were very religious people. Uh, Will was even in training to be a vicar at the time. So they threw it all to God. They said they were going to pray their way through it. And 
Stacy said to ABC News that, you know, her parents were told that she wouldn't make it, but she did. Mm-hmm. And Will, her husband, had once fallen off the back of a truck. Oh. And they said that he wasn't going to survive, but he did. Mm-hmm. So they felt like they had already gotten through a few miracles. You know, what's a few more at this point? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd feel like I feel like I've used up you right. know, all yeah, the miracles that's, I'm that's allowed. me. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, we're going to stay with what we got. I, I, I've got nine lives. I'm not going to start, you know, <laughs> throwing around. So this time, Stacy was pregnant for 34 weeks before they needed to get that baby out. Her second daughter was born in 2008. She was 18 inches long, which is more than half of Stacy's entire body. Oh, my length. goodness. There are pictures of Stacy, you know, 30 weeks pregnant mm-hmm. uh, in some of the interviews with her. And it's it's fascinating to see. I, I you, you see the challenges that she would have to have gone through. Right. So much of her physical body was taken up by baby. By the belly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Now, this new baby girl, Micaiah, did not inherit the genetic disorder. There goes that 50-50 right there. Mm-hmm. And by the time she was two years old, both of Stacy's daughters were more than a foot taller than her. That must be really tough. Oh, can you like, imagine? look up and be like, yeah. eat your crackers or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> now, obviously, raising two toddlers was complicated at times. But she said that with her husband, Will, being so supportive and helpful, they didn't have any trouble getting through the rough patches. She had a custom-built wheelchair and platform that allowed her to bathe and change the kids, which Will was more than happy to do when she was too tired. Nice, Will. Way to yep. be a dad. Yep. And their whole household was arranged so that Stacy could reach everything she would need when she was home alone with the kids. She's kind of reminded me of Al and Jeannie Tamani. Oh, I always, I've been thinking of them. I love them. If you haven't heard our Al and Jeannie Tamani story, it's we did it in the first year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were circus performers back in the, what, I mean, early 1900s. Right. Uh, and he was the world's tallest man and she was the world's smallest woman. That's right. And uh, in, incredible difference between them. And they're, they're the sweetest, most oh loving God. couple I've, we've ever done on the show. I, I love them so much. They're so cute. And yeah. also, yeah, had made a very custom house for her so she could be really independent. Right. Then in 2010, guess what? Stacy became pregnant again. <sighs> At this point, you got to imagine people are just like, oh, hey, you know, All you've right. proven it over and over again. You, you, you clearly you. got this down, right? I mean, her doctors were still concerned. Mm-hmm. A geneticist named Dr. Tinkle, mm. which I'm going to need a minute with. If you'll just excuse me because I'm 10 years old. Should have been a urologist. Dr. Tinkle should have been. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> anyway, this well-respected man, Dr. Tinkle, had treated Stacy as well. And he told ABC News that they usually issue strong recommendations against pregnancy due to the risks of both mother and child. And Stacy did have more trouble with this pregnancy, not just because she had two toddlers to deal with already. You know, she, she said that she physically couldn't help her daughter, Micaiah, if she was upset. So Will would have to take care of any like tantrums or anything like that. Mm. They also at this time opened a small business called Kateri's Corner, which dealt in secondhand baby items. And that helped pay all their medical bills. They said they just did that part time. You know, they weren't trying to overwhelm themselves. Right. But it gave them, you know, a little extra income that they needed. And the third pregnancy was difficult. Stacy was having a hard time moving around. She couldn't hold her youngest daughter, Micaiah, because her belly was in the way. Mm. So eight weeks early, they had to deliver her new son through a cesarean section. His name was Malachi. And like her first daughter, he did inherit his mother's condition. But he was born with no broken bones, which Stacy described as a miracle 
because, quote, people with our condition are often born with broken arms or legs. Sure. I guess as you're getting squeezed out or pulled out, yeah. it's so easy to break oh, your bones. Oh, they said babies with this condition, just changing a diaper can cause bone <gasps> fractures. Oh, my God. Yeah, very delicate. That's like, crazy. really, really delicate. Uh, Stacy added, quote, finding out he had my condition was hard, but we knew we would be the best support possible for him because Kateri and I have both been there already. Oh, experts. I mean, mm-hmm. who better? Very you know? true. Absolutely. Now, in addition to having OI, of course, Malachi was also very premature. So he faced a lot of challenges. Mm. He was only five inches long, uh, two pounds, 10 ounces. He had to be immediately placed in an incubator. And he caught a virus very early, only 17 days old. And he had to have an emergency hernia surgery. Oh, my God. Too many challenges. Oh, I know. Stacy told Daily Mail, quote, at one point, they told us his heart had stopped and we thought he might not survive. But thankfully, the doctors managed to save him. It felt like another miracle. Mm. And then after a few more weeks, he was finally able to come home. Despite the risks, the danger, the ongoing difficulties, Stacy was so glad to have birthed three children and considered both herself and her babies miracles. Despite the troubles that she faced, she and her husband Will raised the babies into children with care, love, and support. The Guinness World Records certified that she was the smallest mother in the world. Mm. And she said she hopes her story gives hope to other women who are told they could not have children. She told ABC News, quote, I would tell those women, don't put limits on yourself. Don't let people put limits on you. And for the grace of God, don't let anything stop you. Which is a, a lovely sentiment. And also, I would say, you know, listen to your doctors and don't put yourself in unnecessary harm's, way, right, harm's right. way but you know again she she said i that is true I, she had that choice right and that's that matters is that she was able to say you know i'm willing to risk it right you know i'd rather do this than not and it's not untrue that doctors are wrong sometimes sure i mean they'll be the first to say it absolutely um i know that my aunt who was a uh an OBGYN, she said she always said doctors were the very worst patients. They would never <laughs> listen to their own doctor. Right, right. <laughs> so they're like, you're wrong. I know what's going yeah. on, you know, which I was like, oh, I would hate to have a doctor as a patient. <laughs> no, they did say, quote, we listen to doctors and respect them, but they don't always get it right. right. So we end up doing what we feel is best. Right. So they also kind of acknowledge similarly, mm-hmm. like, you know, yes, doctors are smart. They are spend years studying. Yeah. And but we're just going to do our thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next year, Stacy won the Miss Kentucky Wheelchair Beauty Pageant. Hey! Love it. Uh, there's a whole video of her winning. It's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. a wonderful little ceremony. I love that. Uh, it was her third time participating. She said she always had so much fun doing it. And she said in her acceptance speech, quote, I guess after everything I've achieved, all my accomplishments, I just wanted to come and encourage other people to get involved with this and just kind of do something fun. Yeah, why not? Love it. They spent the next seven years living a fairly normal life, as far as we can tell. She said in Daily Mail that she believed that parenthood brought her and her husband even closer together than ever before, saying, quote, I didn't think it was possible to love him more, but since we've had our son, I think I fall for Will a bit more each day. Oh, it sounds like Will really contributed. And that that can really help a relationship, too, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I think it's probably, not that I would know, because, again, we don't have kids. Right. But I would imagine it to be a very big turnoff to have a kid with a guy who's like, I ain't touching that thing till it's six years old. (laughs) Like, you know, I get it. That would be like, okay, I don't understand why you think I'm suddenly 
so amazing yeah. at cleaning up shit and vomit and stuff. Like anyone can do it. Yeah. Get over here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now, I told you all this at the beginning. Okay. I warned you. So mm-hmm. keep those eyes dry if you're out there listening to this while you're driving. Uh, August 31st of 2018, Will Harold announced that his wife Stacy had passed away in her sleep. Mm-hmm. We don't know the details, but she defied the odds. She found love. She brought life into the world. She spread joy to others. You know, what a life. Hell yeah. Can't ask her better than that. And, you know, yeah, she did. You know, she was like, this is important to me. And I know that it's hard. It's going to be, it might even kill me, but that I need it. You know, that's what I want to do with myself. And so she did it. And I think that's awesome. It really is awesome. Yeah. She got there. Mm -hmm. So good for you, Stacy. Good job, Stacy. Way to be. Happy to tell your story here. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that should bring us to a break. And the end of that story, we come back. We're going to tell an ancient story mm-hmm. about uh, babies from beyond. <laughs> oh, <laughs> babies from the beyond. Well, Ooh. mummies and babies. That's what we're getting to mummies. next. So stay tuned Mummy. after the break and we will be right back. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. Welcome back to the show, everybody. So yeah, our third story about little bit of babies 
is from a long time ago, and it has a triple twist. <gasps> it's like a cool ice skating trick. <laughs> So in 1826, a mummy in its sarcophagus was donated to the University of Warsaw, Poland, and soon went on display in the National Museum in Warsaw. And it was quickly and simply labeled Mummy of a Lady. (laughs) (laughs) All right, sure. I hope one day I'm entombed somewhere in a museum and it just says, a guy. Some guy. (laughs) Some guy. (laughs) Tell my story. Tell my story. (laughs) Now, allegedly, this sarcophagus was found buried in the royal tombs of Thebes in Egypt. But according to the New York Times, scientists were not comfortable listing that as the definite place of origin. Because apparently in the 1800s, people were a little loose with the truth when they said where they had found archaeological artifacts. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which kind of makes sense. In so many ways. <laughs> yeah, right. Because it might have been like, oh, yeah, I, I found this in a, a hidden tomb under the sand when they, in fact, just like stole it off the back of a truck. OK, for real. They, or, or 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 it's like <laughs> I found it that I, somewhere I wasn't supposed to be in Egypt. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. I said I got it from the place where I'm, I am supposed to be. Yep. So Miss Mummy was on display in Warsaw for over 150 years oh. before in the 1990s, the year 1990, <laughs> radiological exams led some scientists to believe that this wasn't a woman at all. Translations of hieroglyphs on the sarcophagus revealed that this was actually the coffin of a high priest. His name was Hor Jehuti. So finally, after all this time, this hard-working man finally got the recognition he deserved after being completely misidentified for 150 years. All right. Look, <laughs> just saying. Well, in 2015, a new study got started. This time, teams of archaeologists were studying mummies to learn about causes of death and, like, ancient diseases. Mm-hmm. So they looked all over the mummy of Hor Jehuti and through dozens of scans to kind of learn what they could. And when they figured out what they needed to know, they got ready to, you know, Wrap things up and move on oh, to the next mummy. Mummy jokes. They're so easy. <laughs> but before they did, their archaeologist, Marzina Ozarek, decided to take another look at the mummy's pelvic scans. And that's when she noticed, quote, a familiar image to a parent of three children, a tiny foot. Yes, on further investigation, they discovered that this tiny foot belonged to a tiny fetus. And just to confirm, they ran some more tests and found out that this mummy was indeed a woman. <gasps> but Horjahuti! No, they were right the first time. <laughs> Likely, this woman was between 20 and 30 years old when she died. And after a scan revealed the shape of a fetus inside, they measured its head and determined it to be between 26 and 30 weeks old. Allthisinteresting.com says that While archaeologists have found many burials of pregnant women from ancient Egypt, this was the first time anyone had discovered a pregnant mummy. Whoa, what a find. So yeah, it turns out they were right the first time the mummy was a woman after all. Ms. Mummy is back. Uh Uh-huh. But how did that happen? I mean, the sarcophagus clearly stated that this was a male priest, Mr. Horjahuti. Well, Dr. Wojciech Eismund, who's the co-director of the Warsaw Mummy Project, says that it's a rare but complicated problem that sometimes comes up with Egyptian archaeology. In the 18th and 19th centuries, tomb raiders would come in, they'd grab a bunch of sarcophagi, bust them open, 
you know, pull out the mummies, loot all their jewels and treasures that they oh, were yeah. buried with. Sometimes they had to like unwrap part of the mummy to get to a necklace or something that they sure, wanted. They really rings, tore these probably. apart. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Because they don't, uh, why? They had no respect yeah, yeah. for that stuff. Why not? So, yeah, they would just take all their shit and then just kind of toss them back into whichever sarcophagi was nearest and throw them back in the tomb. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Eismond estimates that about 10% of mummies are actually found in the wrong coffin. So Miss Mummy got put into Horjahuti's coffin. But what was going on on the inside? You know, mm. it's, they, they say it's not what's outside right. that matters. It's what's inside that counts. <laughs> okay, so... Scans showed that there were mummified bundles in her chest cavity, which they understand to be her lungs, liver, stomach, intestines, and heart, which had been separately embalmed and reinserted before she was wrapped. This is standard mummification stuff. Right. But why hadn't they embalmed the fetus, and why didn't it show up on any scans? Hmm. Well, this created a big discussion, right? Uh, Theories that Dr. Eismond proposed included that Maybe the Egyptians thought that the unborn child did not yet have a soul, or maybe they thought that removing it would be too damaging to the mummification process. Hmm. Researchers suggested that ancient Egyptians may have seen the unborn baby as, quote, still an integral part of the body of its mother. So it's actually still, you know, it's like an organ that she has until it's born. All that's interesting.com points out that names are very important to ancient Egyptians. And if the baby had not had a name yet, they might have thought that it couldn't get into the afterlife except as still part of its mother. Interesting. So they might have just been like, let's just leave it there Mm -hmm. intact. Just in uh, case. And not touch it. Interestingly enough, Smithsonian Magazine said in January of this year that the fetus was so well-preserved due to a very similar process that happens in European bog bodies. Bog so, bodies. So y'all remember our bog body recryptulous episode oh, earlier yeah. this year. We learned in that episode that uh, bodies that were thrown into these uh, peat, bogs. peat bogs in Ireland and England, Scotland, all over there mm-hmm. uh, would, would get preserved. Better than mummies. Uh, better than mummies yeah. sometimes for hundreds of years, right. thousands of years. But it was like extremely specific conditions. conditions like right. it had to be certain temperatures, certain yep. wetness, certain pH dryness, balance, certain all this, this stuff. That, yeah, yep. so much. Um, so in this case, the corpse's blood pH levels dropped over time. And that created a very acidic environment for the fetus, which would have dissolved its bones. But the salting process they use in mummification to dry out the corpse and preserve its bones actually would have shrunk the uterus, forming a hermetic seal around the fetus and preserving its soft tissues. Interesting. So that's why when they were scanning the mummy for bones with x-rays, they didn't see the fetus. It didn't have bones. Uh Uh-huh. So now they know how to look for pregnant mummies in the future. Yes. They're looking for a bog body in there. (laughs) That's so interesting. They said they likened it to when you soak an egg in vinegar. And the hard shell around it dissolves, but the soft stuff remains intact. Weird. Yeah, they said it's basically like that. So when they did like a 3D scan, they could see the shape of the fetus, even though the x-rays didn't show anything there. Huh. Yeah. So there you have it. Wow. The first pregnant mummy finally recorded, identified, confirmed. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool stuff. Sorry, poor Jehuti. That, uh wraps up the mystery of this mommy mummy yeah so don't forget if you like this episode to wait a minute what this just in in july of 2022 just a few months ago 
mummy expert and radiology professor at the University of Cairo, Sahar Salim, said that Miss Mummy's pregnancy was, quote, a bunch of bullshit. No, okay, she didn't say that, but she said it was false. <laughs> I wish she said a bunch of bullshit. That'd be funny. <laughs> she said that this alleged baby bump was actually just three bundles placed into the woman's pelvis, either other mummified organs or maybe even just basically stuffing to help the body keep its shape, which was not uncommon. You know, one of the reasons the organs are removed, separately mummified, and then replaced is because if organs are left in the body intact, they actually speed up decomposition, which undoes the entire point of mummification. Man, these guys knew what they were doing. They sure did. They guess, sure did. I guess they had a lot of time to experiment. They were around for like thousands and thousands of years. Right, and a lot of dead people to experiment yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's People's true. People constantly dying. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most interesting things I ever, I think it was Tutankhamun, but it might have been a different mummy, but they uh -huh. were like, oh, they kind of figured out that this mummy had died because of uh, problems with its teeth. Like they had oh, like right. oh, so many bad teeth that it had led to infections. And I was like, man. Like, dental work is so important. It's kind of like it should be bubbled with your insurance. Anyway, that's a different <laughs> different thing. Point being, people died of all kinds of crazy shit no, back then. Salim says that a pregnant uterus is, quote, very fertile material for bacteria. So a pregnant uterus inside a mummified body would actually lead the whole mummy to completely decompose. Mm. She said they never would have left a fetus inside someone they were mummifying and the hypothesis that embalming salts shrink wrap a fetus inside the womb is just wrong. Oh, so the bog body thing, not true not of true. mummy bodies. That's interesting. Or I should say, not that the bog bodies is false. The bog body thing is true. But right, the idea right. that the mummy's body acted as a bog uh, <laughs> is was totally inaccurate. And untrue. Okay. No. Yeah. Now, Haya Karima points out on EgyptToday.com that while the Polish study said it had measured the fetus's head to determine its age, remember? Right. The head, the, the bones aren't fused, and the head itself could not exist without bones. So there's no way oh, the fetal head would have maintained its spherical shape if the bones had dissolved. Oh, duh. So if you x-rayed it and didn't see bones, and then scanned it and saw the shape of a oh, fetal head... head that's not what you're seeing. There's no way it could have been. Uh, well, yeah, that feels obvious now that you say it. Right. <laughs> well, now that you said it. <laughs> Plus, Egyptologist Alba Atia said that pH changes in the blood after death would never be strong enough to dissolve the bones of a fetus anyway. So all in all, none of this would have been possible. Oh, man. Yeah. Science. <laughs> you guys do be <laughs> wilder now. <laughs> Now, on the advice of Sahar Salim, the Polish research team, they did reevaluate. They came back and said, whoopsies. <laughs> <laughs> Our bad. Me dumb. A me dumb. <laughs> they got a bunch of researchers together just to be sure. And they found out, yes, indeed, it was just a few bundles of linen inside the mummy's pelvis. Mm -hmm. No fetus whatsoever. Co-founder of the Warsaw Mummy Project, Camilla Braulinska, said that the researchers, quote, failed to consult a radiology expert prior to publication. Uh -huh. It's so weird to me to be in Poland with an Egyptian mummy and be like, yeah, you know who knows about this? Egypt. But Maybe. I'm not going to ask them. <laughs> what do they have to offer? <laughs> like, right. I would immediately be like, yo, Egypt, tell me about this. Would y'all not wrap, would y'all not embalm a fetus? Or right. what would you do with it? Like, 
Surely there's some good history. Yeah, there were some questions left unasked. Now, the scan itself did look remarkably like the shape of a boneless fetus. Yeah. Which these researchers say was caused by a phenomenon called pareidolia, which is the natural human tendency to see familiar objects in random occurrences. Right. I think that's the thing where we see faces. Yeah. In stuff where there's no face. Yeah, like a tree bark, you'd the see moon. some face or the moon mm-hmm. or, uh, or you you know, that one time I saw Tilda Swinton on my toast. <gasps> you know, it's just. What a day for you. That was, was a good day a, for you. It was a good piece of toast. <laughs> Unfortunately, Brelinska said, quote, this phenomenon combined with the lack of consultation of theories with a radiology expert only brought the effect of a global sensation and not a reliable scientific study. Right. Womp womp. Womp womp. So there you have it. Uh, we Now we know the truth of this mummy <laughs> until next year oh, yeah. when this mummy crawls up out of its sarcophagus and gives birth to a cursed mummy baby <gasps> right there in the Polish museum's floor. That's right. Mummy part four. <laughs> uh, we're going to have to assume that this one is false. The body was a woman, not a male priest. Mm. She was in the wrong coffin, but her baby was not any more real than Robin Folsom's. Oh, no. So two fake baby stories in this episode. Totally fake babies. Yeah. Although the mummy, I guess, didn't really get any perks out of it. No, she 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 deserves 14,000 years in back pay of unemployment, <laughs> of, 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 of maternity leave. <laughs> but the baby's fake. <laughs> well, yeah, then she'll have to pay it back. Oh, okay. Right, 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 right. Right, right obviously. She's like, y'all already took all my treasures. <laughs> yeah, no, I it's true. pay my restitution. Maybe. Oh, maybe that's her cosmic karma. Maybe she did fake a baby and got ancient oh, oh, Egyptian oh. maternity leave that's for right. it. That's right. And then died. And then died. <laughs> and then someone was like, I'm taking these jewels back. Damn. You don't deserve these. <laughs> Some Tomb Raider was like, Surely this lady is lying. <laughs> uh, I think that's so crazy. This, I mean, the, the story that this mummy has gone through and no one knows who she was, you know, right. uh, some some importance if she was mummified. Right. You don't degree. give anyone, just anyone a tomb, right? Right. right. But, uh, but no telling. She could have been anybody, hmm. you know, but she wasn't pregnant. We're, no. we're pretty sure of that. Okay. And I think it's interesting, too. They basically went on to say... Um, uh, Professor Salim was like, "We, you will not find a pregnant mummy, because if, like she said, if you left a fetus inside mm-hmm. someone and mummified them, the mummy would dissolve, it would decompose. Wow. Yeah, because if you leave any organs, you know, just in there to rot, you undo the whole mummification process. I That's will... why they took out each organ and embalmed it separately and then put it back in. Right. I, I was going to say when yeah. we were talking about that, it was like, it feels like a pretty natural progression to say, well, then you take the uterus out. Right. The, what, whatever's in it. Yep. Who cares? The, the organ goes. Yeah. Um. So it does seem weird to. Well, again, they should have freaking asked some Egyptians, I guess. They should have. They should have. They should have asked me. <laughs> uh, you have I, said? I, I would have said, that sounds cool. Um, Is that did, my job? I, no, I would have said, did you ask any Egyptians? Have I know, you asked, that's what have I would have gone said. to a radiologist? <laughs> I would have been going, yeah. This, is inter- this woman, uh, Zahar Salim, mm-hmm. is an Egyptologist, a mummy expert, and she like invented a type of MRI that scans fetal tissue. So oh, wow. she's like the perfect person 
to comment okay. on this. Like she, they should have gotten her like, involved from day one. You should have picked up the phone in Warsaw. Yeah. <laughs> May I speak to Dr. Celine, please? Right. I have a very quick question for her that she could immediately answer for me. <laughs> right. I think they're in the same time zone. It wouldn't even have been hard. So simple. Y'all have the same lunch hour. <laughs> Uh, I, I would love to hear from y'all on this episode. Yeah. Uh, tell us your crazy baby stories. We'd love to hear them. What's the wildest thing you've accused your coworker of? That's what I want to know, because seriously, <laughs> I, I need to understand the day that Robin's coworker was like, I can't take it anymore. This baby ain't real. I'm going to HR. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very awkward conversation to have to have. I feel like you would have to have bulletproof evidence before you t- <laughs> you accuse right. someone of that. You would have to have dynamite evidence receipts, you know? And to receive that, too, as, oh as the God. HR person, be like, I'm sorry. What? You think that Robin's what? It's no wonder it took them so long to get to her because they were like, we got to, we have to be one trillion percent yeah. sure before yeah. we even bring it up they to didn't her. Even, they were like, I'm not even doing this. I'm going to the state inspector general. <laughs> We need to take this out of house. Yes. Yeah. I ain't touching this one. <laughs> I need to know, though, what y'all, if you've ever gone to HR with some wild shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please tell us that. Uh, tell us, uh, you know, if you've ever faked a pregnancy Ooh. or found a pregnant mummy, we'd love right. to hear from you. Right. Uh, and we don't have to read your name. No, you yeah, can tell we, us we to won't make it anonymous. You. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to keep your ill-gotten gains. <laughs> Just reach out. Find us at RidicRomance at gmail.com. Right, or we're on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Dianamite Boom. I'm at Oh Great, it's Eli. And the show is at RidicRomance. Oh, and thanks again to Josh Green for a great correction oh, slash yeah. answering machine about Hanky Code. Thank you so much, Josh. Appreciate that. Uh, we love hearing from you all. Send us your corrections and yeah. information. Uh, we'd love to hear it. Uh, don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts, and we'll catch you all the next episode. We love you. Bye. Bye-bye. So long, friends. It's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. 
Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to a Cross Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 